Everything Film is supported by Vancouver Young Actors School, the elite training program for young pro actors in Canada. Their team of pros offer the most advanced training for young actors with two locations, Vancouver and Fremont Village in Port Coquitlam. Online, VancouverYoungActorsSchool.com at VYActorsSchool on Instagram. Good Lord, I just read that in front of Al Murdoch. <laughs> yeah. Al Murdoch. Well done, you <laughs> sold it well, my friend. <laughs> Man, it's, it's cool, but it's intimidating because this is your livelihood. You do this... Ad infinitum, been doing it for years. You do it seamlessly. But um, I w- be, there's so much I want to get into with you. First of all, if you're not familiar with Al Murdoch, where have you been? Al Murdoch is multinational voice for a number of ad agency work. You've heard him for McDonald's, for Nike, for uh, Marvel, for Bud Light. Locally, you know him as the in-house announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. And now some NHL duty, which we'll talk about. But... Um, one of the things I want to talk about is you've been doing this for years. How many, for example, how, how many years you've been doing this? Well, the voiceover work is going on close to 25, um, kind of full time. Uh, prior to that, it was the radio career, uh, which led into the voiceover career. So, uh, it, you know, combined, 50 years, <laughs> 50 years, if I did my math right. So you know how to read a commercial. I try. And, and you've been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. But you still get direction from people that may be relatively inexperienced. I think you know where I'm going. I always refer to the old, the the the, uh, the Orson Welles, doing voiceovers for peas and things like that. And you know, here's here's some young ad exec um, trying to tell Orson Welles how to read a commercial. Do you still get direction like that? Where you know, and you don't need to obviously reveal who, but you kind of go, yeah, guy, I got this. I, I think I got it. Okay. Occasionally, yes. Um, I think you get uh, you get yourself. Uh, and of course, these days it's changed. But back in the day, when you used to go to actual production houses, and and read copy in front of you know six people uh, who are a part of the ad agency, and then you know, and then a producer, then an engineer, and all that kind of stuff. Now it's of course in your own studio. Uh, usually at home, uh, and with technology, I can be linked up to an agency in New York where the producer and sound designer are in Austin, Texas, and the writer, uh, uh, you know, whatever is in Los Angeles. So you're really not there unless you're on a Zoom session. But in terms of direction, yeah, you still get it, and I still want it because really you want to give the client exactly what they're asking for. And you may have this vision in your head that, oh, I've got this. I know exactly what they want. They heard the audition. That's why they've called me back. But essentially, sometimes you get in, and they've completely changed their mind on the direction of where they want to go, and therefore you have to change lanes and go down that. And, and sometimes the direction can be a little confusing. I, mm-hmm. We had Jim Conrad on the show, and he was telling me about direction where he had somebody telling him, do it gently, but with force. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sure yeah. you've got oh, stories like gosh. that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. Be subtle, yet in your face <laughs> was my favorite one by far. Subtle, but in your face. And Jim and I go way back. As a matter of fact, we went out for lunch uh, last week, and uh, he was a big mentor of mine as, as I was starting to kind of lean away from the radio business and go into the voiceover business full time. Uh, Jim and I spent many lunches together, me picking his brain, saying, you know, and again, one of those things where he wasn't going to do all the work for me, but he knew that I was eager. He knew that uh, that I had a little bit of talent and I needed to build that talent. And he was a real mentor to me. So I really respect that man a lot. So as as DJs, and by the way, this is National DJ Day. I don't know if oh you're my aware gosh. we're actually recording this on National DJ Day. But, you know, we would have, there'd be a production room, and there'd usually be bunks 
with copy in there. So part of your job as a DJ, you would get off the air or you'd come in early and you'd read a spot or two. My bunk always had like a spot or two. I'm guessing Al Murdoch's <laughs> bunk was so loaded <laughs> well. that it finally got to a point where you went, yeah, you know what? I think I could probably carve out a pretty damn nice niche doing this. And that's exactly really kind of how it went. Um, you know, the, the radio career was going well. I mean, I had, uh, you know, achieved kind of where I wanted to be. I was doing mornings in Vancouver on then the big powerhouse CKLG, uh, still playing music on AM, you know, the, the 100,000 watt blowtorch, as we <laughs> used to call it back in the day. Uh, but that being said, um, again, the, the copy started getting you know, started to increase, uh, you know, within the radio station. And then other radio stations would hear what I've done to the same copy that, you know, the agencies or clients sent to their stations to, to voice and liked what I did, therefore started using all of my stuff. I mean, my first big gig was doing that for Future Shop back in the day. Um, and they liked what I did, and that, therefore, it started me doing all of the radio ads locally for all of the radio stations and then nationally, and then television came into that, and then an infomercial uh, started with that. So really, it, it started with a few pages of copy, and you do more and more and more, and you get better at it, and eventually you kind of look at yourself and going, well, maybe I can make a full-time living doing voiceover work. And, and that was never really a goal before I got into radio, but as I got into it, and and I took to it like you know a fish in water, and I and I've and I've never turned back really. Was there ever a concern that even though you want the work because it's more lucrative the more you do, was there ever a concern that you're going to be so overexposed that people are just going to tire of Al Murdoch? You never worry about <laughs> being overexposed. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I get what you're asking me, and uh, to a certain extent, you have to. Uh, <clears throat> You have to look at the, the spots that you're doing, the clients that you're working for, and you have to worry about conflicts more than anything else when you start getting busy. You know, I've, I've got an audition today for, you know, Xfinity, for example, in the U.S. Well, that means you can't do any other companies if you get that job over the course of the run of whether it be 14 weeks, 18 weeks, 30 weeks, a year if they buy you out. You can't really do any other companies that are similar to those. Um, but you want to be in that position, obviously, at the end of the day. So in terms of the agencies, are you on the give me an Al Murdoch type or, you know, how, how do you how do you go after gigs? You obviously have an agent or you have people that are have many agents, a, a lot of our referrals, I'm guessing. So and so put them in touch with you because Correct. I heard you did this company and I want you to do that for me. Yeah, uh, I'm guessing it's also pretty competitive, but there's a few that really rise to the top and and you're certainly one of them. Well, you know, and it's it, it, the interesting thing about um, at least what you're talking about commercial work, it is it's very cyclical, meaning that, you know, currently right now, and it has been leaning this way over the last number of years, um, and I'm really, when, when you talk about a voice actor, Yes, I'm a voice actor. I do some other things, but I am an announcer at the end of the day. You know, uh, I'm, I come in, if there's two regular people talking about a scenario, I'm the guy that comes in and sells it at the very end or at the beginning or somewhere in the middle. Um, so, uh, you know, when you, when you look at that, um, you know, the, the industry is now, they want regular people. They want the less sell and more about storytelling not that I can't do that, and I do that more in a narration style, um, but the, the, the days of in a world, 
you know, like and those types of movie trailers and those types of stuff. I'm not to say that they're gone, yeah. because I still do a lot of that stuff, especially if they want to harken back to the days of that. I'm one of those guys that usually gets the opportunity to be one of the, the you know, the the people in the end that that get called back and then they decide you know, who they want to be. Now, among your many duties, obviously you are the, for lack of a better term, the in-house announcer for... The public address the public announcer. public address yeah. announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. Replaced the, the late, great John Ashbridge, who yeah. uh, who I think, and there's been a history of Tom Peacock back in the day, and just, just some, some really great performers. John McComb, Sterling Fox. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How, how did that come about? Are you a big hockey fan, or did you become a bigger hockey fan in the process? I mean, I, I mean I'm a huge hockey fan. I mean, I grew up in Canada. Uh, played hockey, you know, up until my late teens, um, and uh, the the Canucks job. Uh, I, I found myself in that situation. Let's go back a few years though, because I got hired to be the public address announcer for the then Vancouver the Grizzlies, Grizzlies yeah. Uh, yeah. of the National Basketball Association, albeit for six years, and then they moved to Memphis. Um, and then it was a few years later. Uh, our dear late friend John Ashbridge, who had done the job since 1987, never missed a game. And a good friend of mine, I knew him over 30 years before he passed away, and he had a health scare back during the playoffs uh, going into the Stanley Cup Finals against Boston in 2011. He had a health scare and needed to uh, go in and get some surgery, so he missed a couple of games. I got the call from a few people that were still within the organization that I worked with uh, during the Grizzlies days and said, listen, can you come in and fill in for a couple of games? Uh, we don't know when John's going to come back. So I filled in for, I think, two, maybe three games in the first round of that particular playoff season. And then John came back being the strong guy that he is. And then after that, he started to think, maybe I want to ease back. Maybe I want to spend more time with my wife. And they bought a place down outside of Vegas and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, not retiring, but stepping back and said, would you like to share the duties with me? And I'm, I'm like, John, absolutely. We went out for a beer. We said... You know, John has this certain style. I mean, I had this certain style with the Grizzlies, but let's kind of meld them so it's not like John doing this game and then me doing this game, ma- making it that much different. Um, and we uh, we agreed to share the job, and he, I, I think I did 20% of the games the first season, then 30, and then 40, and then by 2016 he said, I think I'm, I think I'm done. I think I've done what I wanted to do. Would you like to do it? And I said, I would be honored to, uh, to try to carry on your legacy. There, there's a certain element of cool. Anytime you get a chance to host anything, you know, you, the crowd sort of hangs on your every word. And you know <laughs> that when you're about to announce a goal, you know the reaction that's going to emanate. That's got to give you such a feeling, huh? Yeah, that's the, that's the best part of, of what I do. As much fun as, as it is sitting in my home studio voicing stuff uh, by myself in a padded room. You know, I always say the, the many voices in my head quite sure. enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you get out into a live situation, not only with the Canucks, but, you know, you were talking about the NHL stuff that I do. Uh, when I'm at an outside venue doing an outside hockey game at, at the Cotton Bowl or a Target Field or just recently at Fenway Park in Boston, and you've got 40,000, 50,000 people there, you know, it, it is a rush because you get instant feedback. I can sit in my studio all day and talk to myself, and I, I and I wouldn't think it's good enough. I would do it ten times or fifteen times over. You've only got one shot to do it, so it better better be your best. Well, Mr. Murdoch, I must ask you then: How did the is it the NHL signature events? So how how did that opportunity present itself to you? I had the opportunity to go to China uh, with the Vancouver Canucks and uh, LA Kings 
for the first China Games. So they wanted to expand, uh, you know, outward into into different countries. And then, of course, they've done that, uh, you know, lately into Europe and so on and so forth. So I had done a few games with them uh, and had worked with um, a particular production team. So uh, these NHL signature events have been going on for years. But when they go into a certain venue, it's almost like you're working with a new team every single time you go into a new city. So they wanted one specific production crew to go into those cities, the same people working together as one. We know the format. We know exactly what we need to do. And so they hired a company out of Los Angeles, and um, which I'd worked with before. And then I got a call from the NHL with, uh, you know, the people that I'd worked there. And they said, would you be interested in being the PA voice for these outdoor events? So the Winter Classic, the Stadium Series, which are outdoor games, the Heritage Classic, which happens in Canada every two years, and All-Star Weekend. And, uh, you know, it took me less than a millisecond to say, mm-hmm. absolutely. Sure. That being said, I did also say, you know, I'm a PA announcer for the Vancouver Canucks. So at that time, there were 31 teams, now 32 with Seattle in the league. But there are 31. There were 31 uh, guys in the league. So I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. It's like somebody coming in and taking your job away from you in these big events. So, and I know all the PA announcers love doing what they're doing in, in their respective markets. So I said, you know, is there any way that we can include you know, the local PA voice, because, you know, I think it might cause a little friction sure. and I didn't want to step on anybody's toes and I wanted to respect those people. So that being said, over the course of a few months, they finally decided, yes, so not only do I get to go to these events, but I get to share the mic with the local PA guy who still does the goals and the assists and all the regular kind of stuff that the local fans love from their guy. And then I come in and I get to do all the corporate stuff, all the entertainment stuff, you know, introducing all of the great people like Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr and the pregame ceremonies and, uh, and, and the live acts that perform at each event. So I get the best of both worlds. And then I get to hang with sure. one of my brothers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, uh, but for those that aren't familiar, it's not as if like uh, there's a game, today's a game day. You'll, you'll be at the, at the uh, Rogers Arena tonight. It's not as if you're just sitting there with a microphone in front of you, you got a hot dog, you got a beer. You're at work, yeah. and there's people in your ear, and I can only imagine how much more ramped up that gets when you're doing something that's of an international scale, yeah. like the, the Heritage Classic or something like that. Yeah. What, what is the scenario like? What, what is, the, what is the, the level of fervor around you when you're doing your job? You are constantly, uh, you're sitting, but you're on your toes. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you have 15 people in your ear at all times. You've got the show caller, which is right next to you, that basically, uh, you know, directs you when to go. And his favorite words to me are, just say the words, clown. Just say the words. That's your job, okay? Don't worry yourself with anything else around you. This is your job. Do it your best, and that's all we can ask. And that's great, because then you don't have to worry about all the other stuff that's going on around you, whether things are happening the way that they're supposed to, and maybe you would do them a little bit differently. You don't worry about that. You just do your job. So, yeah, I mean, I mean I've got a director that sits beside me to to direct me on when to do things within the, you know, the stadium, outdoor, indoor, whatever it happened to be. And then, there, and then I've got a, a director that directs all the television elements of, from that. And then there's production assistants, and there's floor directors. And, and, and the amount of chaos that's going on in your headphones as you're announcing stuff, you just have to kind of almost separate your brain. Put those people over there, just you know, concentrate on the director that's telling you what to do. Is it, are they ever telling you to do it quietly but in your face? Uh, no, <laughs> never. No, they know exactly what they want. If anything, they want it bigger. So, 
Well, Al, I got to ask you on your on your bucket list. I mean, you're doing some pretty cool stuff. You've got some great national international accounts. As a hockey fan, are you going to be able to call a Stanley Cup championship at some point? That's the goal. I mean, that's that that you know that was always uh, John Ashbridge's goal. Yeah, he did Olympics. You know, he did Memorial Cups. Um, and his biggest thing was to do you know a Stanley Cup final, which he did which was great. Unfortunately, Boston won. Yeah. But, you know, those are some of the bucket list things that, that I've wanted to do in that avenue of what I do with my voice. I mean, the, the Judy Justice television show that let, I let, do for let, Amazon let, now is, sure. is, 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 is yeah. like I've, you know, when you really hit pay dirt, that's kind of one of those things where you always want to be involved in a show that's a, such an iconic show like that. But, of course, you can't do other court shows. Because cannot <laughs> do other court shows. No, no conflict. I can't. Um, Mr. Al Murdoch, it's a pleasure to uh, connect with you again. We've worked some radio stations together. Uh, we've been in this industry a long time. You're one of the good ones. And uh, let's hope we do get to hear your pipes announcing a Vancouver Canucks Stanley Cup champion. And I could not think of a better day to do this the National DJ Day. I remember those days. Yeah. Back in the day. Thanks, Al. Thank you very much. Cheers.